Hey, this is Nate Dancer with Purity for Life. We're about to jump into part two of Greg and Paloma's story of hope. If you haven't heard part one, I definitely invite you to hit pause on this and listen to that episode first. Now, part one is going to focus on how dark and difficult their lives became, but still, there's something about the backdrop of the darkness that makes the light of Jesus shine all the brighter. Of course, if you'd rather just hear part two, then stay right where you are. God is able to restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. Those words filled Greg with hope as he drove onto the Pure Life Ministries residential campus. And hope is exactly what he and his wife Paloma needed because sin and selfishness had ravaged their marriage and there was almost nothing left. But in that place of devastation, they came to the end of themselves, and that is when they fell at the feet of Jesus. Out of this place of just seeing my need for Jesus for the first time in my life, I started crying out to him. And I remember one night, it was snowing, and I I don't know, it's just everything was glistening white. And the Lord showed me this is what he wants to do in my heart. And uh, I cried out a prayer that I believe that he came in and he saved me. There was a lot of unforgiveness that I never dealt with, that I never faced, that I was, my eyes were open to that. Um, Also was shown that I was very prideful. And it was, it was hard seeing that about myself that that I was just as far from the Lord as Greg was. This was what they both had been desperately needing, to draw near to Jesus, because nothing else and no one else was going to be able to meet them in their hour of greatest need. No one else would be able to restore all the years the locust had eaten, but he could and he would. I'm your host, Nate Dancer, This is Purity for Life. You're about to hear part two of Greg and Paloma's Story of Hope. Here we go. We're going to talk a little bit about what God did in your lives in the program. And it's awesome. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years, so I've heard a lot of testimonies and a lot of the the general themes are the same, but his the intimate personal work that he does in people's lives is so precious. Mm-hmm. It's he's never he's not just cookie cutter like, "Oh, okay, I got to change these people's lives and so I've got my formula and here we go." It's like he is so close mm-hmm. in the way that he works with us. Um so Greg, you come to Pure Life and in some way I would guess that's kind of like, "Okay, yes, things are going to change." But you know, God's ways are not like our ways. So <laughs> what did he start doing? Well, it's it's kind of what he started doing, but it's also how. So hmm. because I was so experience-driven from the moment that, you know, we agreed um, and made the commitment for me to come to Pure Life, I was just contemplating on how the Lord was going to do a work. Um, it was mm. probably going to happen at an altar altar service and an altar call. I was going to go up for prayer and things were just going to be different. You know, there was probably going to involve some tears, you know, um, 
a lot of weeping, and there was just the desire to sin or to you know to go after my sin to pursue my sin. It wasn't going to be there anymore. So you know it. it obviously did not happen like that and it hasn't been like that since but uh I'm thankful that it's not so from the get go the gentleman that you know that he picked me up from the airport you know he shared his testimony with me and he 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 had shared Joel 225 on um, that the Lord was going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten you know it just it, it gave me hope it gave me so much hope and he you know he shared you know, the, the journey that he's been on um, for the 10 years since he graduated, you know, so when I pulled up on campus, you know, I immediately, I could sense the presence of the Lord, but there was still so much of me and so much pride, obviously, because it's day one, you know, I just wanted everybody to know who I was. And I tied a lot of my job and that, that I was an operations manager into my identity. And it was like, you know, everybody I would talk to, it was the same thing. It's like, I'm an operations manager. You know, my name is Greg. I work for, you know, an oil company in West Texas. I mean, it was like, you know, that's who I am. And looking back, I was like, gosh, I was, I had such a high opinion of myself, right. you know. Right. Um, but, you know, it was the Lord got to work quick um, in my life. I remember my first counseling session with uh, Luke. I shared with him that uh, it's just, it was, the Bible was dull. You know, there was no life to it. It was just, it was just dull. And uh, the Lord took me to um, the be- beginning of, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, um, when it talks about how the minds of unbelievers are made dull, or the God of this age is is mm-hmm. uh, made Blinded the minds the mind of, of yeah unbelievers, of unbelievers um, and those that are perishing. And I just thought, like, that's me. Like, I, this whole time I thought I was saved. Right, I'm going to church. I'm I'm doing the things. I'm leading a ministry. I've just had this sexual problem, and the Lord quickly showed me that I was in a class with two people: those that are unbelievers and those that are perishing. Mm-hmm. And I was just really floored. But I was also taken to um, the end of Second Corinthians three, of those that are turned that turn to Christ, that the veil is taken away, mm-hmm. and I got so much hope in that. That when I turn to Christ, that, you know, that veil is going to be taken away. I'm not going to be an unbeliever anymore, and I'm not going to be perishing. And it's not like he he showed me in that, that, like, it's not an experience. Like, it's mm. the the turning, you know, it's it's a life. It's a lifestyle. It's a, yeah. it's a change in my lifestyle. It's mm. a turning to him. You know, a lifestyle of seeking him, a lifestyle of crying out to him, a lifestyle of mercy. Just, you know, what what turning to him, you know, looks like, uh, you know, just seeking him, just getting into his word, asking him to reveal himself, you know, mm-hmm. to me, um, developing a prayer life, mm-hmm. just crying out to him. Right. So the glamorous side or in your mind, you know, like what it looks like to have a changed life is I have this experience and then everything changes, and I can just talk about like, oh, I had this experience with yeah. God. Yeah. And Jesus is now saying to you, well, how about every single day you do the unglamorous thing yeah. of just you're with me in secret. Mm. You don't tell people about it. Yeah. You're just with me. You're serving others. You're behind the scenes. This isn't about you. And just over time, mm. things are going to change, but... It's not going to happen the way you want it to happen. 
Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It is. I mean, it, it you know, it, it was at first, it took a, you know, a trusting, a, you know, I, I didn't know the Lord. So it was like, I had to trust others that I know that the Lord had did a work in them, yeah, yeah. you know? And that's really where, you know, the counselors and in, in hearing the testimonies at Thursday night was like, okay, like, I don't know this Jesus yet, but if this is the Jesus y'all are pointing me to, and this is how, you know, I can get to him. And the thing is, I didn't even have to get to him. I just had to get up out of the pig pen and say yes. Yeah. And he come, he came running to me, yeah. you know. That, okay, what you just said, I feel like is so important. I didn't know Jesus. Um, because I, I think the way we describe knowing Jesus in America is like, I go to church. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if this is a good illustration or whatever, but if you think about like a company and the CEO is this man and you work at the company, but you never talk to him. Never interact with him. Yeah. Never relate to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, you could say I know him, quote unquote, but you don't at yeah. all. Yeah, you know about him. You know other people maybe who know him, but this was a yeah. That I just I feel like that is so important that you related to a system that was about Jesus, mm-hmm. but you didn't. You never knew him. Yeah. Okay, let's switch to Paloma real quick. So we have a wives program, mm-hmm. and I don't know how you found out about it or decided maybe you went through it, but I think a lot of wives are like, I don't need counseling. This is not my problem. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um I'm not sure if it was like a conversation, a phone call that I got from him or, you know, maybe Luke was like, I think that she should go through. I think it was actually he mentioned it during one of our, you know, conversations on a Wednesday night or whatever. And I I still had a lot of anger towards him at that point, you know, and so I was like, I'll think about it, you know, but I was in a really even with him gone Yes, there was like a piece like, okay, he's gone and I don't have to, you know, have all the like face the person that just broke me in such a way. Like I don't have to face him every day right now. And I I needed that. But I was still, still in a really bad place. And so I thought these counselors are women that have walked what I'm going through. Maybe they can help me feel not so crazy. Sure, right. Because I felt crazy. Like I felt like can't even explain it. Like you can't eat, you can't sleep. You just feel like you're just going crazy. And so here's this program where these women can, maybe they can help me. Yeah. Because I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started the wives program. And it was hard. Mm. It was hard. Why was it hard? Because the wives program really made me have to look at me and um, how far I really was from the Lord and how I didn't have that relationship, that intimacy, you know, with him that 
seeing myself because they, you know, in the wives program, they, they're, you know, they're not focused on everything that your husband, you know, just did. They're focused on, on me and my sin. And so I, I had to see my sin for, for what it was mm -hmm. and who I was. There was a lot of unforgiveness that I, uh, that I dealt well with, um, and even more now because, you know, Greg just had done this and, and I honestly didn't, like, how could I forgive him? Mm -hmm. So looking at Jesus and realizing that, like, through the teaching material, just that I had been forgiven mm -hmm. of, you know, many sins. I'm constantly being forgiven. That who was I to withhold forgiveness? And so I so just realizing that I did have a lot of unforgiveness for Greg, for my my real dad, my stepdad, you know, the father of my boys, like there was a lot of unforgiveness that I never dealt with, that I never faced, you know, that I that I was my eyes were open to that. Um also was shown that I was very prideful. I didn't even realize how prideful I was. Mm. Um, I had no neediness for the Lord because mm -hmm. I was full of pride. I put myself through school. I got a job really young and bought my first car. I took care of my boys by myself. I didn't need anybody to help me, you know. And even though I had that moment where Jesus made himself so real to me, I quickly forgot, you know. And so I was very prideful in the fact that, like, I didn't need Jesus. I didn't need anybody. I could. I did it then, I could do it again by myself. When your counselor started, or the books, or whatever it was that revealed those two areas, just the pride and the unforgiveness, how'd you handle that revelation? There was days and nights where I would shut the book. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I was like, this is Yeah, crazy. I don't need this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, and then I would talk to my counselor and, you know, she would just lead me and, you know, to the scripture that I would talk about it or we would talk about it. And it was just like, it was so right. Like there was, it was truth. And mm -hmm. it was, it was hard seeing that about myself that, that I was just as far from the Lord as, as Greg was. Yeah, we, um, we just did a podcast series called ashes to beauty and the whole point of that series was just that when you have two people who are being restored in their own relationships with God that then that just has a the byproduct is just like the beginning of a healing and a marriage you know because like Greg as you're starting as you're just soaking in his presence and in his word day by day the Lord is starting to do things in your life, and then that is just going to flow into the way you treat Paloma. Paloma, as you become needy before the Lord and start mm -hmm. to see, man, I'm, I'm not any better off spiritually than my husband, that's just going to change the way you relate to him. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, three or four months into the program, like for you guys, what started to happen? So one of the the first times that I really saw on her end that I saw the Lord really start to move. Uh, it was like 
I think it was at month three. Um, it was a, you know, just normal uh, telephone conversation. And she told me that she has to repent to me for something. And here I am, you know, I'm in a, a ministry for men um, that deal with sexual sin. I had completely demolished our marriage and my wife is repenting to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just floored at, you know, at, at the humility in her and what the Lord was doing in her that she has to repent to me. And it was for something that, you know, the way she handled um, an upset that I had at work or a, a, an offense, I guess, that I picked up. And she, it just, it bothered her that I was offended. And she just really, you know, but she was repenting to me for that. And I thought, wow, like yeah, this, like this is, is new. Yeah, this is, <laughs> th- this is not what I expected. Yeah. Of her, and I just really sensed the Lord just doing a deep work in her. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, month three and four um, is when the Lord really started to peel back some some things and really started to show me myself. One of the things that He showed me was, you know, that I I was a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. I had a dilapidated shack, spiritually speaking, and I I just kept throwing a, a coat of paint on it or you know, just to try to make it look good on the outside. And I did that with more Christian service and that, you know, inside I was, yeah, I was full of dead man's bones. It was about month four where I was confronted in a counseling session. Actually, it was that it was a halfway point of my program, um, month four and a half. And uh, I was confronted after a chapel service on Sunday. Um, I was confronted about ongoing sin you know, in my life, I was confessing, but it was, it wasn't changing. I was confessing and it was just, and I was confronted about it. And, uh, you know, there, I wasn't bearing any fruit. And, uh, I was told that I need to call Paloma and confess, you know, some stuff that I hadn't been confessed, um, up until that point. And, uh, I refused to do it. I rose up in anger. Um, I stormed out of my counseling session I went to the chapel where we keep our bags and uh, got my my suitcase and uh, and I was going to go home. I was full of rage when I walked out of the counseling session and I, walk, I went to get my bags. You know, I was just so angered and somewhere in between leaving the the chapel with my bags and going back to my dorm, the Lord allowed me to see. The end result of me leaving, I guess, you know, I kind of played it out in my mind, like, okay, I'm going to go to the airport and then, you know, get a flight home. And, you know, I'm going to walk in my house, but there is going to be like this grief from leaving the program and leaving what the Lord wanted to do in me. And that that grief wasn't going to leave when I walk in my front door. And the Lord showed me that. The Lord allowed me to see that this this anguish and this grief from leaving, it wasn't just going to vanish. And so I'm packing my bags in my dorm, and uh, my counselor and another staff member were standing at the door. And I think in a sense, I, like, I, I, I cried out, and I asked them, I wanted them to tell me to stop. I looked at uh, one of the counselors, and I told him, I, as I'm packing my bags and I'm fixing to leave, I told him, this is the worst decision I'm ever making. Mm. And I think I was crying out to him. I think I was wanting him to tell me, no, you know, let's sit down, let's talk about it. But he didn't. And I was like, okay, that's odd. Like, he's not trying to talk me out of it. You know, I know 
the staff's hard. I know they don't want the guys to leave, but I was like, why is he not talking me out of it? But there was something more that was at work in that moment than what a man could have said. The Lord was working in my heart at that moment. So I get in the van to go to the airport and the way the parking lot is, you know, with the the parking, we had to go back down towards the mechanics uh, shed to turn around to come back this way. Well, we turned around and it was just, it was overbearing. I couldn't leave. I could not leave. And I started weeping and I asked one of the staff members that was going to take me to the airport if it's too late to repent. Mm. And he took, he stopped it uh, at the, in front of the counselor's offices and uh, he got out and he went inside and talked to my counselor and he came back out and he got me and pulled me back inside. And my counselor asked me, he said, are you done? Mm. And I had come to the end of myself. That whole time of crying out to the Lord, he heard me, mm. but he, he needed me to get to the end of myself, mm. to the end of what Greg can do, to the end of my doing and to the end of my works. So that way we can get rid of that dilapidated shed, that tomb, that whitewashed tomb, and he can start over and he can start building a foundation in my life, a sure foundation. And I went into my the, the counseling session and I repented. I called Paloma. I repented to her. And that started a month-long breaking process where the Lord just gently deconstructed everything that I had built that was just faulty. And he was so kind and he was so compassionate. Mm. And uh, I was put on talk fast. Um, I was on a communication fast with her. And it really put me in that place of it was just me and the Lord. It was just me and God. And I really, out of this place of just seeing my need for Jesus for the first time in my life, I started crying out to him. And I got I got rid of all those note cards. And I remember one night, it was snowing. It was just, you know, I'm from Texas. I'd never seen snow like this before. And it was the <laughs> biggest snowflakes. Mm. And I, I don't know, this just everything was glistening white. And the Lord showed me, this is what he wants to do in my heart. I'd never seen such a pure white before everything was covered in it mm. and the lord showed me he wants to do that in my life and uh i cried out a prayer that i believe that he came in and he saved me in that moment i knew i was saved i just prayed god help me mm. that was all i could pray up until that point i never really did mercy and i didn't pray mercy yeah and, uh, it was just all about you still yeah it was all about me it was like you know um and these guys coming in, you know, I, I just started praying mercy for them. I started pr- doing mercy. Like I started learning that like mercy and just the Christian life and all together, it's not for me. It's not to to get, mm-hmm. you know, a pat on the back or, to, you know, not not to receive attention. You know, it's about serving others. And so, yeah, I started doing mercy. I started praying mercy and uh, something started to change in my heart. 
Mm. Um, it wasn't, you know, this huge drastic thing, but I, it was, I, I started noticing, um, I wasn't getting annoyed at, at, at people anymore. Like I was really starting to have compassion on guys, especially the guys that came in. And I mean, there were some like myself, I was a wreck when I came in, <laughs> right. I was a prideful mess. I mean, and I would, I would see that in guys, but I wasn't rising up because of it. It was like, okay, I see like, there's this need in somebody you know, and I'm I'm going to just lift them up. I'm going to bear them to God. You know, I'm going to pray for them. And I started praying for others, and I just really got into just a, I don't want to call it a habit, but, yeah, it was just like a desire to just, just go in the chapel and get away from everybody and just pray for people. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night I was just trying to, trying to pray for myself, and I, I – I couldn't. It was like, and I got frustrated, and I went back to the phone there at oh, the, the waiting room. Uh, yeah, the waiting room, and I called my counselor, and I said, "Hey, I said I'm, I'm just, I'm frustrated. Like I'm trying to pray for myself. I said I, I can't. I said it just doesn't flow. I said, but I can pray for others like nonstop, but I can't. And my counselor said, "Well." Stop, go with it. Go with it. <laughs> pray, pray for others, you know? Right. And I'm like, you know, it was a light bulb. And I was like, okay, that was it. Okay, so Paloma, Greg is having his own personal revival here at Pure Life. You're at home. Things are still hard, uncertain, unsure. Mm-hmm. What was going on with you? Mm, after he had, um, you know, confessed you know that and you know he was about to come home and I was like oh my gosh like he's he might come home and you know in the back of my head I'm like I don't think he's I don't think he's been healed or I don't think he's been you know like I don't think he's ready but then we got put on that communication fast where we couldn't he couldn't write we there was no good there was going to be no you know phone calls for a month and a half and I think for me, I needed that. I needed, at the moment, I didn't think I needed it, but I needed it because Greg was still an idol to me. He was still, if Greg could get fixed, then everything else would be better, will be fixed, would be right again, if he can just get better, you know? Um, He was, so yeah, he was still an idol to me. He was still on the throne of my heart. So with that, kind of the same thing, you know, that was happening over here was happening back at home where I didn't have that letter to look forward to or that conversation to look forward to. And I just had just me and Jesus. And so I was in a place where I just would just cry out to him. I would just come home after, you know, working, get all the kids and make dinner and do all the things. And then at the end of the day, when everything's finally over, it was just like, now what? You know, before it was, you know, he was there, Greg was there and I could have somebody to talk to or, you know, be with, but it was just really, really getting needy for just Jesus to do something in me to heal me, to help me, to make himself real to me, to show me, to, I mean, all of that. It was during that time where I really had to to repent to Jesus for allowing Greg to still be on the throne of my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, turning from that and just asking God to be on his rightful throne. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so this is like five and a half months or so after, Greg, you came into the program. So you've been apart from each other for five and a half months. And then the last month and a half has been really transformational for both of you guys. What was it like the first time you guys talked? I mean, yeah, what, like, what was it like to start to get to know each other when you're both have been changed so much? It was definitely new. In a, in a sense, it was almost awkward because there was something so different about both of us that, you know, the, the Lord was doing a work in me. And, you know, because he was literally had started unraveling my inside life, like in giving me a new identity in him. I, it was just, it was different. It was, and yeah, it was almost awkward um, to talk with her and, you know, and like, you know, I wanted to hear from her and I wanted to hear about her and what the Lord's doing in her life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think maybe it was like that on the other end too. And it was like, you know, two people that just wanted to hear about each other rather than us talk about ourselves and uh, so, yeah, it was there was it was just getting used to this this you know newness that the Lord was bringing about in both of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a a sweetness and in I guess softness, for lack of a better term, that I sensed from her um, that He was softening her heart, mm-hmm. you know, because of the way she she was brought up. You know, she was uh, feisty. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, we, we had joked about it, but there, there was like this sweetness and this calmness that I had never experienced, uh, you know, with her. Yeah, it was and, definitely you know. new. It was definitely new with the same, same with him. Like I, I noticed that, you know, he was gentle and he was, you know, understanding and he, I could tell him things that were still hurting me, you know, and he wouldn't blame shift or blame it on me. He would apologize. And and he would tell me, like, you know, I'm sorry that my sin did this and that it still hurts. And before he would just blame shift and, you know, tell me, well, this is why, you know, whatever. But, you know, he was able to bear my burden. And I think that for me, that was huge. Mm. Yeah, just being able to to share my heart with him and not be afraid of the reaction. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was, he wasn't like that before. You know, you come out of pure life and pure life is, pure life is a season. It's a time and it's necessary, but it's not, it's not representative of normal life. Mm -hmm. Like what happened for you guys is that you both fell in love with Jesus. Mm. And how did you keep him at the center of your own personal lives so that it does, didn't just go back to the way it was? Yeah, we were actually talking about this last night, um, you know, the before and, and the after. One of the things is, you know, because he did such a deep work, we, we wanted to guard that. 
We wanted to guard that, what he did on our hearts. Before the program, you know, we were, we didn't see it at the time, but we were very much given over to the world. Um, you know, just all forms of entertainment, um, sports, you know, television, music, you know, I mean, we, yeah, you know, there were certain kinds of music that we were like, okay, yeah, that's bad. You know, the, the, you know, and that's obvious, you know, but then it was like, there was other forms of entertainment that, you know, it definitely did not lead us closer to the Lord. Yeah. So we, we had just cut out all of that. Um, We really started living and have continued to live separated lives. You know, we really mirrored what, what we did in the program. Um, I heard on more than one occasion from Pastor Jordan uh, was the guys who have had the most success are the ones that mirrored what they did in the program. And we did that when we got home. You know, uh, obviously, you know, there's blocks and filters on everything. And there, it will always be like that in my life for the rest of my life. I, I won't have a device that's unlocked. You know, the television, you know, we'll sit down. Um, I, I don't sit there and just veg out, you know, watching Netflix documentaries or anything like that. You know, we watch, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pick out a Pure Flix movie or a movie that, you know, we watched in the program, um, The Hiding Place, uh, The Scarlet and the Black, you know, all those oh, yeah. movies, you know, that, that uh, I'd never heard of, she had never heard of. And I came home and we're watching these movies and stuff and that and then, you know, seeking the Lord through our quiet time, through getting in his word um, in prayer has been a staple in our lives. That's something that, you know, we have just uh, really been big on is our quiet time. Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, live, um, living that life of repentance. Um, mm-hmm. It was funny because like even, you know, on the way here, <laughs> my daughter um, apologized and she was like, oh, you were right, daddy. I, and I was wrong, you know, and she's she's three, you know, or she's four. And so just we live that, you know, just live in repentance. If we're, there's, you know, something that happens or, you know, mm. we repent and, you know, we ask for forgiveness. And I think that has also been huge in our lives, too, that we don't we I mean, we still have our moments and we still rise up. But just knowing that. We know repentance now. We know that, you know, that what happens after you repent, like, you know, there's forgiveness and just live in that lifestyle, I think, has been another thing that we've kept, you know, doing um, after PLM. Um, we we continued being under um, a really good godly couple and we count, we still counsel through them. I mean, this is two and a half years out of PLM and we we still desire to to have our issues she was my counselor in the program and now her and her husband you know they counsel us on marriage and it's just that i feel like having them has just been has also been very beneficial after plm another thing for me too that uh is really important is living in the light and you know i haven't struggled uh you know necessarily with sexual sin but you know that's a fruit the root of it you know being pride in self um self is always there and when there's things that come up in my life i i quickly bring it into the light with paloma and then with um you know with this other uh, gentleman who's been you know walking with us 
<clears throat> you know, what I've, what I've learned about, you know, being in the light, you know, is, is two things that, you know, the blood cleanses us and we have fellowship with other believers. And whenever I hold something inside, you know, that's when it festers and that's when it grows and could possibly grow into something else. So just, you know, whenever I'm dealing with something, um, I repent and, you know, I bring it to the light. Man, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. Um, I'd love to. We're already at about two full shows. So um, I don't know. Is there anything else that you would want to say? I mean, maybe specifically to like Paloma, you could speak to a wife. Greg, you could speak to a husband who's either completely where you were three or four years ago, or it's just in the early stages of of God really doing that transformational work. What would you guys say? I think to to a wife, I would say that is you know in the beginning stages, um, would just encourage her to, and know as hard as it sounds, but to really take her eyes off of him off of the husband mm. and put them on Jesus and meet with Jesus and he's there and he's willing and he's wanting to heal and it's not going to happen you know when you get up off your knees for, you know it's it's not mm. but to be patient um because this is a long suffering journey even for the wife it is but to keep her eyes on on Jesus and he let him be everything that your husband cannot be right now yeah. or ever will be maybe you know but just meet with him and he will he will meet you there I would say to the husband that the road to freedom it's it's there's there's not a formula there's not a, a zap method. You know, the Lord wants to do a, a work in their life deeper than just setting them free from sexual sin. Um, with me, it, it hasn't been an overnight and it's, you know, there's still a you know battle. I mean, there's there's a battle every day. But praise God for that, because it's in that battle. It's in those times of crying out to him and those times of just getting into his word and pressing in that there's a relationship that is formed. There's a deep, deep hunger that is, that is developed for his word and for him. Yeah, the Lord responds to need. Where there's a need, uh, the Lord is he's drawn to that. All right, I really hope that you were blessed by Greg and Paloma's story of hope. And if you'd like to hear more testimonies like this one, we've got more in this series. The easiest way to find all of these stories of hope is to download our smartphone app. That app will give you instant access to hundreds of podcasts and sermons and video series, including our most popular video series, 20 Truths That Helped Me in My Battle with Porn Addiction by Steve Gallagher. Our app is available wherever you get your apps, and once you've downloaded it, just go to the Purity for Life tab and look for the Stories of Hope section. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. 
For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.